Alright everybody, welcome back. This is Heavy Ham. In this segment, we're going to talk about... Um, well, we're going to talk about a few things. This segment is going to be aptly named Dreams and Dreamwalking. And I'm going to disclose a few very personal... Um, details about myself, my dreams, in this segment, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping in doing this, that not only do I open up your guys' eyes to a new world, but that got a spider on me. Yep, I did. Um, that I uh, enlighten you somehow. Maybe enlighten is the wrong terminology, but um, we're just going to get into it. I was a little hesitant on doing this segment, but I said I was going to do it. I thought about it. I've written down a couple of my most uh, mm, sorry, some of my most memorable dreams um, or dream travel, dream travels as I call them. Uh, here, here's where the term dream travel comes, as far as I'm concerned. Let me get pulled up here. Um, I use the word dream travel or dream walk. Some people use the term astral travel. Um, I've known I've been able to do this for quite some time. Um, as a matter of fact, since I was, oh, I want to say, Well, I've been doing it since I was eight, but I didn't know what it was. So when it finally clicked and I knew what I was doing, I was about 12. Okay, so I'd been doing things like it for four, from the age of eight, and I finally knew what it was and how to do it under my own control. Um, when I turned 12, um, certain events that took place in my life led up to that. And we're going to talk briefly on that here in just a moment. Um, I will give you a quick backstory of, um, how it all began. I will also give you maybe one or two quick dreams or dream travels, sorry, dream travels that I've done um, in current time along with a reoccurring dream that I now believe was leading me up to this point. So without further ado, let's get into it. So here I am, an eight-year-old boy, and 
I have this really profound fear of the closet. Like, I know what you're all thinking. Like, well, all kids have fears of something. It's either under the bed or in the closet. Or... Yeah, um, most small children feel a fear of the monster under the bed or the monster in the closet. And um, Mine wasn't so much the monster in the closet. Mine was more... Um, I don't know. It didn't really call it call them monsters. They were more. I can't remember what I called them, but when I read, as I got older, and I heard the phrase "sky people," I told my wife, I was like that's what was in my closet when I was younger was sky people and she goes what like she thinks I'm nuts she really does she thinks I'm crazy and that's okay because maybe I am you know it's it's okay I, I, maybe I am maybe I am crazy um she still loves me crazy or not she still loves me and I love her because she loves <laughs> I love her because she loves me in spite of my craziness. But um, I said, no, seriously. The sky people were in my closet when I was little. I knew that they weren't of this planet. Like, and she goes, and how did you know that? I was like, because they told me. She goes, oh, so they talked to you. I was like, well, no, they didn't move. They didn't have mouths. They didn't, they couldn't talk. Like, we talk. They told me, like, in my head, they told me. And as an eight-year-old boy, when you're told something in your head that isn't your thought, it scares the hell out of you. Um, but So for the longest time, I would not leave closet doors on my closets. My wife still doesn't know that that's why every house we've been in has the closet doors removed. Because every closet that it ever happened to me on the closet door was closed there was a light and then the door opened and they came out so i would deliberately remove every closet door i didn't care if i had to replace them when we moved i didn't care if i had to lose the security deposit fee i didn't care i would deliberately remove the closet doors i'm currently living in another house and this is the first house where I have not removed the closet doors. I will get to why I haven't removed them in just a moment. So, from the age of 8 to 12, I was having really vivid dreams. Dreams that I could remember and I knew I felt things dreams that were logged into my memory like you know how you have a dream and you wake up and you kind of like for the first part of the day you remember a little bit of it and as the day goes on you forget it you have a nightmare you wake up and you're like oh my god I had the worst nightmare and you go to tell someone and it like I already forgot it 
This was not that. This was, oh my God. You'll never believe what happened while I was asleep. And all day long, I would be able to recall what happened. It was like, as if it actually happened, it was logged in my memory. And I would remember it for weeks. And I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was remembering them that long. I wasn't writing them down at that point. Finally 12 years old. Uh, finally 12 years old. Of course, at this point, I've already had an, from, I already had a nervous breakdown. I've tried to commit suicide on several times, several occasions. I'm now in a mental institution. Um, and the medications are forcing into me because I refuse to take them so they're giving them to me intravenously um, are doling down the dreams or the dream travels they're doling them down okay um, they're not stopping them but they're making it so they happen less often and uh I get out, I get released at the age of 13. I was in there for a whole year. I went in right before my 12th birthday. I got out right after my 13th birthday. So I was in for the asylum for a whole year. I would have been in there longer, but I showed signs of progress. I showed signs of rehabilitation. They thought I would do well and I less, uh, less uh, what is the right word anyway in a less secure facility there you go in a less secure facility that was bugging but that was bothering me I couldn't think of that so they I wasn't able to return home after that I was put into the system. I was put into foster care um, or state's custody, not foster care right away. I went to what is known as a group home. It's modern day orphanage is what it is. And I was there for about two and a half years. I don't want you guys to feel sorry for me. No, 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 that's not what I'm telling you this. The group home was, it was, it was kind of fun, actually. I mean, they make you feel welcome, and they take you out on, take you out and do activities with you. It's not like, um, old school orphanages where you're just dropped off there and nobody cares about you. No, these people, these people, these, they're caseworkers and social workers that work there, and they gen genuinely let you know that you have people to talk to if you ever have an issue, and they take you out on activities. I think it was like every other Friday we had movie night at the uh, at the thing, and anytime we wanted to watch a movie, all we had to do was sign one out, put and log our time when the movie was over. Somebody else could have their movie time. If we wanted to play a video game, which I think it was a uh, 
at that time it was I think it was Super Nintendo um, we had to check out the game and log our time and then when it was over you know it, it worked like that everybody had to share and work together and as long as everybody was on their best behavior we would have a group activity sometimes it was camping sometimes it was going to the pool the public pool sometimes it was going um bowling oh i loved going bowling we had a pool table there it, you know it wasn't like the worst it wasn't like my upbringing at home it was it felt like i was finally feeling like somebody cared okay now I say all that to say this. I leave the group home. I'm told to continue taking my medication. By this point, the dream travels have stopped. Almost completely. Okay? And I get into a foster home. My caseworker comes and says she has a foster home for me. The foster family comes, they pick me up, they say, we need to have a sit down with you. We're very religious and we have strict and firm beliefs about medication. But we understand that you've been on this for quite some time. Do you feel that you need this? I said, I hate taking it. So, the mother of that family, being a nurse, starts weaning me off it. I stop taking it at a certain point. I then, I don't remember what happened or how I ended up being taken out of that that house I end up with another foster family and within two months of living there the dream travels start right back up but they don't just start up gradually no they flood in but here's the here's the kicker. Here's the one that really it was like a re recurring dream that no matter what, and this is the one that set it all in motion. And this is the one I promised to talk about first. That kind of leads into what's going on now. Okay, so at about the four month mark, I get this dream. Where I'm standing on top of a building, a skyscraper. It's a really tall, it's a high rise. It's in a city I've never seen. It wasn't like, I live in Utah, okay? I'm pretty familiar with all the tall buildings in my local downtown high rise area. It wasn't any of those buildings. This was a city I've never been to. And um, I'm standing there. Only I'm not me. And I know that may sound confusing to some of you. Let me let me elaborate. 
it's my soul. I can feel my spirit, my soul. I can feel my conscious, my consciousness. But I happen to look over and I catch a glimpse in the window. It's not my body. In no way, shape, or form is that my body. And the only thing I have on is this garment. It's kind of like a black robe. And beneath it, some black pants. And I take the black robe off and I drop it. I happen to notice when I look back at the reflection that behind me there's a a sign. It might have been a billboard. I can't remember. Um, and in some of the some of the dreams, the billboard has something different on it. It's usually some kind of art for advertising something. It's always a little blurred out, I think, because it's not very important. And the only thing I feel as I'm standing there is pain and anguish and anxiety and sadness. And I can hear the cries and the screams and just all kinds of chaos coming up from the street. And it feels like it's hitting me like bullets. That is how vivid this dream was. And it lasted for... I mean, it, it recurred night after night after night after night. For years, I would have this dream. And finally, after one, lady, one final lady screamed out at the top of her lungs, and it hit my chest... I feel this pain right between my shoulder blades and I just pull my uh, arms right down to about my knees and these massive wings burst out and I feel the pain of them coming out of my back and I, f and I jump down off the building. No sooner do I jump off the building and start plummeting down towards this woman I wake up that was the dream that's the entirety of the dream every single time that was the dream and it was crazy it was intense so we fast forward because that mind you this happens between the ages of 14 to 16. Then it stops. I start having some other oddball dream recordings and whatnot. Picks back up when I turn 19. And I'm like, why am I having this dream again? What the fuck is going on? You know, and I'm thinking maybe it's trying to tell me something. Well, I enlist in the military. Navy. I know there's going to be a lot of people out there saying, oh, he's a Navy. Never again volunteer yourself. I, I've heard them all. It's okay. Go ahead. Make the comments. Um, here's the thing, though. I had a lot of fun in the military. Then I cut... Um, well, okay, I can't say I had a lot of fun. There was something... 
there, I had fun, but there were some things I can't talk about. For that, we're going to just skip on over the military experience. My file is redacted for a reason. I'm practically a ghost. Anyway, um, so many years go by. Um, throughout the throughout the years, I'm I help raise my 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 son with my with my high school sweetheart. We have a daughter. Then we have two more boys. Okay. I'm a very hard worker. Everything's going great. I'm still having these dream travels at night. And um, and in other um, in other episodes, I'll allude to some of these other dream travels. I'm trying to wind this up to the current, so I can tell you a little bit about the current events. So, um, back in 2012, I flatlined. I was going to the hospital because I had, I was having heart issues at the time, dramatic heart issues, uh, shortness of breath. And at the time, I thought I was just experiencing flu symptoms. When we called the doc, they said I needed to get up to the hospital. There's no sense of going to urgent care or whatnot. So we go up to the we're going up to the hospital. My wife recalls me like being in and out of it all, the whole way up there. I don't recall that. She says at one point it almost looked my, like my lips went blue before we got there. Again, I don't recall that. Um, we get up there, and I just the only thing I remember was I kept saying. It's so cold in here. They kept bringing in warm blanket after warm blanket after warm blanket. And I was like, I can't warm up. I can't warm up. Why is it so cold? Why do I feel cold? They took my temperature. I wasn't burning. I wasn't earning a fever. And then I remember looking at the nurse. And I says... This is the last thing I remember saying to the nurse. You have a long life ahead of you. Your aura is very bright. And she says, what? What is he talking? And that was the the last thing I remember hearing was, what is he talking? Because apparently... Within the time it took her to turn her head and talk to my wife, I had... I had completely gone. I started seizing. I had flat... I and I had flatlined. She tried to find my... From what... Um, I From what I can gather from the files, my wife doesn't really remember a whole lot. She does remember that they tried... To find my pulse several different in several different places, um, she remembers them bringing out the paddles um, and shocking me. But I actually had to dig through the the medical files to find out exactly what went on. Um, so basically, if you don't know, if you flatline in a hospital, they bring they bring in a red cart. That's what that those red carts are for. 
Um, and um, everybody asked me afterwards, so what's it like on the other side? Did you see a white light? Did you see anybody? And for the longest time, all I could tell them was it was black. It was dark. I heard some disembodied voices. I can't tell you what they said. And then all of a sudden, I heard this really loud scream. And it felt like I was thrown against the wall. My wife thinks that the throwing against the wall was the final shock that brought me back. And thinks that somehow my soul was still lingering in the hospital and heard her scream the final time before they shocked me the last time. And um, that I knew I needed to come back. So that's her theory. I'm not saying she's wrong. Maybe that is what happened, um, especially with that point. I don't think my soul had completely left that building. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to be back. And I always get the questions, do you believe in life after death? Well, I have to. I'm not the only one in my relationship who's died and come back. My wife was dead for almost seven minutes, and she's still upstairs breathing. So, yes, I have to believe in life after death. But I don't believe in the concept of death. Um, I believe that death is the beginning of a new life. So I don't fear death. Because although the people around you who love you may hurt, there's going to be somewhere in the world who's going to get a new life out of it. And that soul is then reborn. So, I don't know. I have, a, I have a weird outlook on it. And I think that's because of what I witnessed while I was, out, while I was away. After that incident, um, I began having really weird dream travels. Like, I was able to project myself in ways I never could. I was able to walk around. I was able to literally physically focus, go to sleep, and walk around my house. I was able to check on people. I was able to enter their rooms and watch what they were doing. I could tell. I I can even do it without actually going to sleep. I can med. I can slow myself down, put myself in a state of consciousness, and find something. As long as I've been in that room. I freaked my son out the other day. Um, quick side note. I was like, okay, it's down in the garage somewhere. Hold on one second and I'll tell you where it's at. And I closed my eyes. And I slowed my breathing down. And his dad, what are you doing? I was like, quiet. And I took a deep breath. And I rolled my... And I'll, he goes, dad, you Okay. Dad, and my eyes are starting to roll back into the back of my head, and I said, go look in the second drawer of my desk. And he came down to the garage, opened up the second drawer of my desk, and lo and behold, that is exactly where he found what he was looking for.
came back up and he goes, Dad, what the hell happened and what were you doing? And I was like, I was searching the garage. He goes, okay, don't ever do that shit around me. I'm sorry to cuss, but don't ever do that around me again. That scared me. And it creeped me out that you were even able to do that, so don't do it again. Um, I don't tell a lot of people that I can do it. Now I'm telling the world that I can do it, so... I guess there you go. <laughs> um, here's the thing, though. Um, I'm not afraid of it anymore, and I think that's why I left the garage, the doors on at this house. When we moved here, I knew I didn't have to be afraid of the moon people or the sky people. I have been, I have encountered alien craft and alien beings. I have. Um, for a long time, my wife didn't understand the, my obsession with them. She didn't think that for a sec, she, I think she was conflicted for on half of half of the half of it. She wanted to call me crazy. The other half, she knew I wouldn't make something up like that, but. Um, one night we were here and she's like, what in the hell is that sound? I was like, oh no, oh no. She goes, what? I'm like, I've heard that sound twice in my life. And every time it comes with a bright light and a craft. She goes, no way. I'm like, I guarantee you the trees are moving outside. Look out the window. And there's not any wind out there and she put her hand out she goes you're right there's no wind then all of a sudden the trees were shaking in our backyard and um she goes that's the damnedest thing how'd you know that i was like let's go out on the patio i'll show you and we went out on the patio and there was this really bright light just kind of right over our house and this craft was kind of trying to cloak itself behind the cloud coverage but it couldn't because the light was on and then finally the light kind of dis disappeared and then you saw it just bolt off and it it went straight and then made a sharp 90 degree angle and went south and I was like and it was me my wife my brother a couple of our kids and they're like, oh my God, what did we just witness? And I'm like, you just witnessed what I witness quite often, actually. <laughs> um, I figure if you witness it once, you've witnessed it enough. You witness it twice, that's probably too many. If you witness it more than that, you can say you witness it often. And that's, you know, so that's how that, that whole thing happened. Um, after that, um, well, before that, I ended up having a stroke. Um, and after the stroke, I ended up having these really vivid dreams, which I later found out were dream travels or, um, Somebody on a subreddit when I posted about them said they may be abductions. 
I may be being abducted because they they follow my my Reddit posts and they know that I've been pot. I may have been abducted in the past because I have a loss of time. I'm really scared to go under hypnosis. By the way, really scared to do that. Um, but um, yeah. So. They, uh, they suggest it's probably me being abducted in the middle of the night while everyone's asleep, but I prefer to look at it as dream traveling. Um, I'm, I go to this pink lake. I know, it sounds weird, pink lake. Um, and sometimes the pink lake isn't disrupted, nothing's interfering with it. Have been a couple times where the pink lake has been interfered with, and part only part of it's pink, some of it's green, but most of the time it's a calm pink lake, and I've been able to communicate with all kinds of beings, um, from wood nymphs to puckwudgies to saskets. I actually had a very vivid dream travel at the pink lake where you know usually i come out of like this like wooded area it's not like i just arrive at the pink lake i have to actually i get dropped in the wooded area i have to tr walk a little bit and the woods open up to a um pink lake and it's weird it's very weirdly constructed because no side of the pink lake has the same woodland area on it if that makes sense it's like you get the side I come out of has like evergreens and pines and then on one the completely opposite side of me is birch I look over and there's palm trees on to my right and there's like a like a Floridian swamp um to my left so it's like four entire different habitats. Does that make sense? Um, and I can see off in the distance, just slightly, that there's some kind of mountainous range. I've never been allowed to go there. And I say allowed to go there because I've tried, I've asked. I've asked if I can check out the mountains. And the only answer I get is you're not ready. So, um, anyway, from this pink lake, I can chat with different various species, and um, it's kind of like an oasis for all the species to coexist. Is what I'm is what I take away from it. It's kind of the dimension between dimensions, if you will. And during one of these uh, trips to this dimension, um, one of the Saskets, or as we know him, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, said, you need to stop them. They're burning my house. 
And I said, I don't know how to stop them. Who's them and where is your house? And then all of a sudden, he like burst into flames and started screaming. And then grabbed my arm and I could feel his pain. And I woke up screaming. My wife was in the bed next to me. She could collaborate all this, but she doesn't like being on the podcast. Um, I woke up screaming and crying because I was sad and I felt pain. And I was like, she goes, what happened? I was like, they're burning his house. Why are they doing that? And she goes, who's burning? Who? What, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was just having a conversation with a Saskat and they said, stop them they're burning my house and then he lit up in fire and touched me and i could feel all of his sadness and all of his pain that is not right why are they doing that and the very next day on the news they were doing a controlled burn in the california national park and i was pissed i was so pissed i was like those mother fuckers I'm not even going to hold it back any punches I was livid I was pissed I wasn't able to go back to the pink lake for like a week because my anger was so it was it enveloped me it it took everything over um that's the thing about the pink lake you can't go to it angry you can go to it upset cuz it can calm you down but if you go to it with rage, well, you can't go to it when you're raged, raged out. It won't let you. Because um, you won't be able to find it. I don't know why. Um, and then um, just recently, I'll tell you this other one real quick, and then we'll, I'll hop off and we'll save the rest for you. So, um, three nights ago, this was a real recent, I didn't even have to write this, I don't have to write this one down. Yeah, I wrote a couple others down, but this one is locked in my mind as if it actually happened, as if I was actually there. So, hopefully we have enough time, we're at the 38 minute mark, I'll try to sum it up. Um, so I'm at the Pink Lake, right? And very calm relaxing I see some pixies flying by and there's a couple little saskets over on the other side just playing around bending trees and it's a really calm day I'm finally just able to relax I'm welcomed there I'm one of them and all of a sudden from behind me I sit I hear somebody say he's ready and I, as soon as I turn to look, I'm no longer at the Pink Lake. I'm dead center in the middle of a service station. And I'm like, oh, no. Hey, you heard me right. A service station, a gas station, a fuel up center. And I'm like, what now? And I look down at my attire. I'm wearing this white robe that appears that... I don't know why, but the sleeves appear to be like vibrating, tingling my arms. And I have a belt kind of tied around my waist. Now, mind you, it is me 
physically, consciously, soulfully, it is me. My appearance is altered just a little bit, but it's me all the way. And um, I'm standing there and I'm looking around and I know everybody, everybody's backstory just by looking at them. Never met them before. I don't know these people. But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why am I here? And all of a sudden, the door opens. That little ding ding goes off. And um, the uh, in walks a little Spanish boy and his mom. Now, the little Spanish boy's name is Rico, and his mother's name is Maria. I immediately approach him and say, you're here early. You're usually not here for another 10, 15 minutes. And you're clean. Wow, look how clean you guys are. You look nice. And you're English. I'm impressed. Immediately after I say that, this police officer, now I'm just gonna give you a layout of who's all there. There's a police officer, there's a carpenter, uh, you know, he's over there picking out a, a six pack of beer. There's a lady who kind of just stands in the corner and doesn't really say anything, just kind of talking to herself. Looks like she's counting with her fingers. There's the service station attendant. Now we have Rico and Maria. And then we have this other guy that, for no apparent reason, just kind of keeps walking around the candy aisle, walking around the candy aisle. Now, don't mind the girl and the guy that walks around the candy aisle because they don't play a huge part in this. But we're going to get to everybody else. I didn't really have a big, a big conversation with the other two. I don't know why. Maybe it just wasn't important. Um, the cop says, are you deaf or dumb? They're not speaking English. They're speaking Spanish, just like you. Those spicks wouldn't know English if you threw an English book at them. And I says, whoa, whoa, whoa. That hate in your heart is why you're still here. These are nice people. You need to give them a chance. Or you'll remain here for the rest of your day, for the rest of time. And, uh, kind of just stepped back. Yeah? What do you know? I, I looked over at Maria, and I looked at Rico, and I said, I apologize for him. Have no fear. You're in good hands. You guys took a different path this time. And Rico popped up and said, yeah, I convinced my mom that we needed to go look, check out the flowers. It was pretty. Maria scowled at him and started telling him to mind his own and not talk to strangers. And I says, Maria, I'm not a stranger. You know me. But I had never met her before. 
But all of a sudden, she calmed down and says, give me a second. Something really important is going to happen. And you're going to be free. Now, Maria and Rico, for the past 10 years, had been stuck here in this forsaken place. And for the past 10 years, had been going down a path full of hateful messages, racist messages. And at the end of this path, there was always somebody there to confront her and call her every name in the book. Her challenge was to get past that racist person without confronting them and to be the bigger person. For 10 years, she couldn't. She would always end up in a fight involving her son, and they would always end up at the same spot at the exact same time, looking like they both crawled out of a gutter. Now, mind you, they would get up every morning starting at the very same. Greeting the day with prayer, thanking the Lord to be alive, getting dressed as if they were going to their Sunday meetings, and they would look fantastic. But by the time they ended up where they were, where I was at that very moment, they looked as if they were poor as ever. And it's all because they were torn down, beaten, bruised, and battered by comments and slaying, and then finally, they got in a physical confrontation instead of turning the other cheek and walking away. This very day, for some reason, they decided to take a different walkway, a different path, and stop and smell the roses, watch the birds fly, and ignore all of the hate and yes there was still that hate and still all the negativity but they were enjoying the beauty message was received and they made it there the path was 10 minutes shorter they made it there looking happy smelling wonderful looking like they were proud to be who they were. And the point of that message for them and for everybody was there's always going to be negativity. There's always going to be some kind of ugliness in the world and darkness because you can't have light without darkness. But you can't have darkness without light. You have two choices every day when you wake up. You can focus on the hate and the negativity, or you can focus on the positive and the beautiful. They decided this time to focus on the positive and the beautiful. That was amazing. Finally, we get to the part where and then there's this the whole place starts shaking everyone starts holding on oh my god not another one not another one I'm like well, what's going on and they're like every time the earth shakes someone else enters our world I'm like well, the only thing I see that's happening is a portal's opening up right there and they're like we don't see no portal I'm like huh 
Well, I can see it, and I can see through it, and I don't think you guys have to worry about anybody coming through. So, relax. However, since a few of you are going to be here for an extended stay, why don't we make it a little bit more accommodating? And I grabbed an apple, an orange, and a banana off the fruit stand that was in the, that was in the service station. I threw the banana through, the apple through, and the orange through, and... Boom, 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 right outside the service station. Apple tree, orange tree, and a banana tree. I said, now somebody's going to have to make sure they'll stay watered or they will wither and die. But for the time being, there is fruit. And let's give you guys something to do. Something other than you guys' normal routine. I saw a book, so I checked it through, and a pile of books fell right outside the door. I said, I'd give you guys board games, but I think competition is going to just fuel the fire. But let's give you guys something just a little bit, a little competitive, but fun at the same time. Picked up a checker and I threw it through. And a box, a check, a board, a box of checkers, you know, the game checkers fell through. I was like, there you go. All right, now let's get to the magic. And I walked over to the thing and I whispered something into the portal. It started rotating the other way and it changed colors. I was like, Rico, Maria, you may step through. You've learned your, you've learned the, what you needed to learn. Salvation awaits. Rico was the first to run up. Or attempt to run up, I should say. The cop stops him and says, no, 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 they ain't going nowhere. I says, you need to let them through because the longer I stand near this portal, my true form is getting ready to show. And he says, well, then let your true form show because they ain't going nowhere. And finally, once again, I throw my arms down to my knees and wings pop out of my back. And the white, and the white, robe with the vibrating sleeves start glowing gold and I was like let them go and it echoed through the building and everyone in the thing kind of like backed up a little bit and they're like you're one of them and he goes I'm so sorry and let them go and I could feel his heart like change I was like finally the heart the hate in your heart is gone. It's about time. I was like, I turned my attention to the carpenter. I said, well, what do you do throughout your day? And he goes, I wake up every morning. I build a barn. I come here. I buy some beer. I park down to the park down at the end of the street. And I have no idea how I wake up in my house. I was like, well, let me break it down for you. You know why you never remember waking up in your home? Because you never made it home the night that you passed away. You are a very racist person, just like Mr. Police Officer back there. One night you went out, you got drunk. And you saw a Mexican family on the side of the road and tried to mow them down. The only two you actually took out was Maria and Rico. I didn't want to say this in front of them, which is why I let, let them go through. Unfortunately, it also took you out as well. 
For the last 10 years, you've been waking up every morning and volunteering to build her a barn. For no other reason other than you want her to be a good neighbor. So, if you'd like, I think you've learned your lesson. And so do they. You may step through. And he looked at it and he, he could finally see the portal. And he goes, what awaits me on the other side? I said, salvation. But leave the belt because we're sending someone here that's going to need it. He drops the carpenter belt and steps through. Without even hesitating or looking back, I said, Mr. Officer, now that your heart is pure, pure and clean of hate, do you wish to follow me? He says, no, I still need to be here. I have some things I need to do. I says, fair enough. The station manager says, what about me? I've been here so long. I stopped everything, turned back, walked over to him and whispered, they don't know what you've done, do they? He goes, it's probably better that way, don't you think? Perhaps. So I start walking back towards the portal and I say, Manager, it is not yet your time to leave. Perhaps soon, though, because from what I'm hearing, they have somebody real right for your job. And uh, he's close to coming here. So, um, stay, hang tight, don't worry, your time will be up soon. And, um, somebody will come to relieve you. I said, as for the rest of you, remember, you were given free will, and it didn't leave you just because you died. You're still, you still have that free will. You do not have to live inside a routine just because you're here in limbo. This is not heaven. This is not hell as you guys perceive it. This is a waiting zone before you can be reborn. Learn your lessons now so we can re-enter you into the world. That being said, I will say my goodbyes. I stepped through the portal. I could feel my wings leaving my body, and then I woke up just like that. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the most vivid, most detailed dream travel I've ever experienced. I probably should have saved that for the very last episode, but I wanted to get you guys hooked so you guys can tune in for more. I'm Heavy Ham. This has been Dream Travels on Into the Mix with Double H. I love you. And I'll see you next time. And welcome back, everybody. This is Heavy Ham. For those of you just tuning in and checking out my channel for the first time, welcome for all you following me and staying loyal to the podcast. Thank you. I just checked, and I've got people listening to me from all the way across the pond, all the way over in UK. I've got people in Great Britain. I've got people in Australia, even in Ireland. That is amazing. You know, and I'm thankful for you guys tuning in and checking out even one or two of my episodes. If you guys have checked out a whole playlist, which I'm still working on getting, like, 
an entire playlist all the way together. Like, I start with an idea, and I think it's a great series, and then I sit back and I listen to it, and I'm like, ah, no, that wasn't a good idea. Um, so I am going to be doing a little bit of revamping to some of the things uh, that we got going on here. Like, Ham's Rants is going to stick around. I still think that's a great series. I think it needs to be there. I think I say a lot of things that people are thinking and just don't uh, don't know how to express. So Ham's Rants is going to stay, stay. This segment right here that you're listening to, is Dream Traveling segment, that's going to stay. And I hope to be having a few uh, special guests, my daughter being one of them. Um, but in the meantime... I realized after I let you guys go with the first episode that I kind of left you guys a little overwhelmed. I unpacked 30 plus years in an hour. Holy cow. How could I do that to you guys? That was not fair. So here's what I I promised to do to you guys. I'm not going to do that to you guys anymore. I'm not going to just unload 30 plus years on you in one hour. I'm not going to unload a whole life story in one segment. So what I'm going to do from here on out in this segment and in all my other segments, but particularly this segment, um, we're going to pick apart the first segment, the first episode. We're going to pick apart the first episode and then we're going to talk about some other dreams I've had or dream travels and some other experiences I've had along the way so I would like to remind everybody who is just barely catching this um, to go back and listen to the first episode or to check out any of my other episodes in in general You will find out that this is probably the only unscripted podcast. I don't do scripts. I've never been well at sticking to them. I am completely off the cuff, which is probably why I either don't do very well or I do very well in uh, in certain areas. So, that being said, let's get into it. Now, when I left you guys, I talked about... The dream that started it all. The uh, the dream where I'm on top of a building and I bust out these angel wings. And then I think we wrapped it up with kind of a similar dream, just more vivid, more in depth, more in detail. I was in a service station and I was helping these poor souls uh, get from one point to another. Um, We're going to... We're seriously going to unpack all of that one episode at a time. But first I would like to unpack why all this happened. Now... I also told you guys that 
I had a great fear of closets, and it wasn't until I learned about moon people or the sky people that I knew what the creatures were that were coming through the closet. And I'd like to unpack that right now for at least the next few minutes. Now, I know hearing that makes some people uncomfortable and makes others be like, I know where he's coming from. I've been there. I've seen things that others just, excuse me, just wouldn't acknowledge or wouldn't understand. And generally, these are the experiences that embed symbols into your brain that you can't explain. You just, there's no way of explaining it. Um, what I mean is you become fascinated with certain symbols that just don't make sense. For me, it is probably the most simplistic symbol ever, but it means something to me. And for the longest time, I didn't know why. I didn't know where I, you know, I thought it was just a childhood symbol that I just couldn't let go, but I drew it almost in everything I drew. Um, and I drew it in such a way that like, one time I drew it in an art contest and a science nerd friend of mine at the time, we don't have any contact anymore, but a science nerd friend of mine, he looked at it and he says, I want this painting. And I says, why? It's just symbols and dots and X's. And he goes, yeah, but you really have no idea what this is. And I was like, it's just stuff that I, that I see when I, when I dream, when I travel in my dreams. He goes, wait, you see this in, in your dream? It's like, I've seen it since I was a kid. Since I was about seven years old, I've seen this, this exact thing, this exact image. And, that was when he, uh, that's when I learned what the Nabu solar system was. Or the Nibiru, sorry, not Nabu, Nibiru, uh, solar system was. I had no idea that I was drawing a solar system. I just thought I was drawing random symbols and, um, So, 
that was a little scary for me because I had been drawing it for quite some time and nobody said anything and I had found out when I was 20 I want to say 25 when I was 25 that I was drawing the solar system one that they had just recently discovered which to me was uh, well it was scary um, but it was also challenging it was challenging in two ways one he didn't believe that I had been drawing this since I was seven I had been put into foster care at the age of, well, we'll call it 11, because I hadn't quite turned 12. I, back then I would have said 11 and a half, but, um, so it's not like I could have gone back and said, hey mom, can I see my box of things and get my old drawings couldn't do that what I could do and what I did do was the stuff that I drew while I was in foster care I still had so I showed him some of the stuff that I was drawing from the time I was 13 on up and uh I've always been keen on signing and dating my stuff. There was one time I didn't, and I really regret that, and it was while I was in graphic design school. I really wish I had signed and dated it, um, because I'd be making a lot of money right now. Um... I know, you're probably wondering, what was it, what was it? Um, I came up with, we had to come up with a magazine. A magazine that would stand above the rest. Magazine similar to Cosmopolitan, similar to Vogue, and all the others. I wanted mine to be like a fashion kind of like a fashionista magazine something that was gonna pop with the urban culture but keep the uh, attention of the uh, of the modern day housewife that was what I was going for with my magazine so I wanted it to really pull everybody into it and then I started thinking oh, this is really ambitious and while I was sitting there thinking what the magazine magazine should be called, I thought ambition. But ambition was too simple. It was too plain. It was too normal. So I took to my thesaurus. I wanted it to 
pop. I wanted it to resonate. I wanted it to mean something. There's a synonym for ambition. It's called moxie. (laughs) And here's the kicker. My daughter at the time had a lot of little brat dolls, right? I didn't want to go around and get all these stock photos and models and stuff like that. So I posed all my daughter's brat dolls and like different poses and uh, then I made up all these articles and I actually stuffed the mag I did the magazine cover and then I made up a mock magazine with actual articles and you know they had headlines all, all, all the text was just gibberish but they actually had headlines that would grab your attention and want make you want to read it uh, like maybe the first paragraph would have some actual information, but the rest of it was just gibberish. Um, the, the point is, is it was Moxie magazine, and the models on the cover were all brat dolls, and my teacher loved it. Absolutely adored the idea. I mean, he thought it was fascinating. I cannot prove that he or anybody in that class used my idea. But it really was very strange that after I graduated and uh, like literally three months after I graduated, the Moxie dolls came out. And wouldn't you know it, they looked just like brat dolls, a little shorter. They were ambitious. They had all these dreams and inspirations to be all these different things. And I was like, that is literally my magazine and the Brat doll. I mean, that is literally the entire package of the magazine sold as a doll. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, I really regret not doing that. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, where were we? Oh, yes. So I showed him that I had been drawing it. And, of course, he, uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't say anything after I had shown him and proved to him that. I had been drawing it. There's nothing left to say. So, he paid me for the painting. It was the weirdest thing. It was like he paid me for the painting and then I never heard from him again. Like, he just stopped calling, texting. He even stopped going to school. He was no longer around. And 
I still to this day don't even, I've tried looking him up. He doesn't have a Facebook page, he doesn't have an Instagram page. It's like he just disappeared off the face of the planet. I don't know what happened to him. There's never been an obituary. This is if the guy didn't even exist. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the guy... And I'm not going to name drop him. I'm not going to, you know, that's not my style. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, it was so-and-so. You know, that's just... But it it did make me wonder if, you know, maybe... I wasn't supposed to be displaying the the art, if you will, that I was displaying. And he was just there to get it out of the way. And then he disappeared. I will tell you this about him. He never talked to anybody else but me. And the teacher, of course. Uh, talked to the teacher. He talked to the teacher. He talked to me. But he was never really friendly with anybody else. And everybody always thought he was an asshole. But everybody thinks I'm an asshole. And I am. But anyway... That being said, that's, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, what did the sky people look like? What did the moon people look like? Um, you know, I get asked that a lot, and it's kind of an annoying question because when I answer it, either they don't like the answer, or they want more details. And you gotta remember, I was a young boy. I don't have that great of information. I don't have that great of memory. I only remember seeing them a few times between, I mean, I'm sure I saw them several times, but I can only recall a few times between the years of, sorry if I keep sounding like I'm yelling, this mic setup is like, it just keeps uh, falling forward. Um, so, I only recall seeing them maybe a handful of times between the age of seven and nine, okay? And it wasn't like it was one specific group or one, I don't know, one species, I guess you could say. There were two different kinds of beings that came through my closet. 
and for the longest time I thought I was crazy. I did, I thought I was nuts. Um, um, I will tell you this. The ones that first came out and made themselves known to me were what most referred to as greys. They were short and when I say short, well I can't really say short because to be honest with you they were about my height <laughs> at the time. I mean, you know, they looked like me. My height, the only, well, say it looked like me and that's a false statement if I ever heard one. Anyway, they were about my height so they were roughly about four feet Three, three, four feet. I don't know. I don't really remember all the great details. Like I said, I'm afraid to go under hypnosis, so this is what you guys are getting. Um, I do remember the the bulbous, like almond-shaped eyes. Um, I remember one of them actually having like really round eyes, not almond-shaped. That part I remember. Um, that one was made me feel really uncomfortable for some. I really remember feeling really uncomfortable with him, around him. Um, there was another group that showed up, um, and they showed up a lot more often in the Greys. And I've come to know them as the Tall Whites. Um. Now, there's a lot of speculation and a lot of uh, a lot of skepticism as to what a tall white is. Some people think tall whites are the ones that come down that look like us with blonde hair. No, those are Nordics. I'm telling you right now, if they're if they say they're aliens and they look like us and they're hybrids, those are Nordics. Um, I've only met maybe one, possibly two. I think I met one the other night. Um, I, I'll record that episode um, following this one. Um, it's like I knew her. I can't explain it. We just, we had some kind of connection. I knew her when I saw her. I knew her as she walked past. And when she held my hand... I felt like I had to be with her, but my mission, <sighs> this sounds crazy, I know, and believe me, I get it, if you need to tune away from this, I'm here on a mission, 
my wife, who I do love, I really do, I do love her, but she is my mission. She has been let down by everyone in her life who has ever used the word love. And when I say let down, I don't mean like they say I love you and they just disappoint her. No, I mean they have literally... They ruined the word love for her. They would use the word love and then hit her. Beat her. Say I love you and leave her. Say I love you and take from her. These were the types of people she was used to dealing with. And then she met me. I knew I had a purpose in life. I knew I had a goal, a mission, if you will. I knew I did. Um, I've always drawn women with the with the first name, with the letter A in their name, to me. Um, I've never ever drawn women with other name with other letters in their first name like Shannon's has never been attracted to me Cassandra's has never been attracted to me um Barbara's uh, whatever no other for, no other letter name has ever been attracted to me but if the letter, if their name started with the A, they've always been drawn to me. And uh, I knew it was a pattern from the very beginning. I knew. And when she said her name was Loretta when we when we first met, I was like, no, it's not. What's your name? She goes, it's Loretta. I was like, what's your name? And she said Mia. I was like, I know what Mia is short for. Missing in action. I was like, that's what runaways use when they don't want to give out the real name. What is your name? She goes, damn. Okay. I was like, because we've met before. She goes, what? I was like, yeah, we met before. We went to East together. I just can't remember your name. We used to hang out. We had a lot of fun. She goes, oh my God, yeah, you're Dave. I was like, yeah, I'm Dave. Now, what is your name? And she goes, it's Amber. And I was like, ah, that makes sense. Makes total sense. And, uh, and this is my wife I'm talking about at this point. But, um, so yeah. She is my mission. Um, my mission on this earth is to make sure that she never has to feel loss when she's with me. That she gets to feel what love is really like. 
and hopefully that she gets to die before me, so she, uh, doesn't have to go through that loss of loving someone and watching them die. Now, I've died twice and come back, and each time I've come back stronger. I know that I am over a thousand years old, my soul is, and I know that this may very well be my last time here on this earth. I will not be reincarnated. This is the soul's last time here. Um, she does not know this. That's why I don't fear death. I've never told her this. I've never told anybody this except for you listeners out there. So feel special. I don't fear death because I don't feel it's coming. Not yet. Not now. I've seen what's on the other side. I know who I am. And... I know that... uh, When I was younger, I made a deal with the devil. I'm not exaggerating I quite literally signed a binding contract with the devil selling my soul to on the contract I said to outlive the love of my life I didn't know at the time that I would ever meet the love of my life. Nor did I have any plans on ever meeting the love of my life. Thought it was a joke. My wife is the love of my life. So, do I fear death? No. Is she the love of my life? Absolutely. I outlive her? I believe so. So, there's that. Now, we're 30 minutes into this, and I've hit you with some pretty heavy stuff. We've unpacked a little bit about the creatures that came out of my closet, and we've unpacked a little bit about who I am. You kind of have a feel that I may not be completely human anymore, anyway. Um, let's dive into a dream travel that happened. Should we do a recent one or a past one? Let's see. Let's flip a coin, shall we? Let's find a coin. We have our coin. Looks like it's a past one. Alright, so I'm going to unpack and tell you 
about a dream travel. The very first dream travel I ever had to the Pink Lake. Kind of unpack it for you as well and tell you how the Pink Lake came about. I don't fully understand it yet, but I'm going to do my best. With the rest of the time we have, we're going to talk about this. So hang in tight. Or hang on tight, sorry. Hang on tight and uh, enjoy the ride. So I had just, I had had a stroke, I just had a stroke, I was in the hospital, and uh, I was in a bad way, a really bad way, I know you can't really tell, I've had a stroke now, worked really, really hard to get my speech back to where it is, some days I have a hard time speaking, where I still stutter, where I slur my words, and, um, it's funny, it is, um, to myself and others around me, they love to point it out, me not so much, but I, I laugh at it, you gotta laugh at yourself or life is going to be one miserable shit cake. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I decided that, uh, well, no, I didn't decide, sorry, um, they wanted to do an extended video EEG on me say I decided it would be a stretch of the truth. I hate those things. Some people who've never had them will sit there and say, oh, it's just like a hotel stay at a hospital. Bullshit. You're sleep deprived and I mean, you're hooked up to all these crazy ass machines and you uh, pretty much are bored out of your mind even if you somehow I mean yeah you can take your you can take your game systems and you can play them and but even gaming gets old after so long I mean you don't have the interaction of other people all the time and you're trying to keep yourself awake for all hours of the night and it's like the first day you're there the first day you're there they tell you alright go ahead and rest up but then they come in every hour on the hour to do stupid shit and then very next day. Did you get some rest? No, not really. Well, try to get some rest before noon, because once noon hits, you can't you can't go to sleep, because you're going to be up all night. I'm like, kidding, right? Seven o'clock, they bring you fucking breakfast. At eleven o'clock, they bring you fucking... Oh, I'm sorry. At five o'clock, they bring you breakfast. At fucking eleven o'clock, they bring you lunch. 
in between you can maybe get a little bit of a nap, but the, in between they're coming in, giving you meds and checking your blood pressure. And if you're lucky, you can sleep through some of that. If you're lucky. But for someone like me who's on me medication to help them sleep and they're not giving it to me, I can't sleep. I have massive insomnia, I can't sleep. So, I'm going through this whole process. And I get home after the whole ordeal's done. I take one of my sleeping medications. And I feel it enter my body. This sleep is unlike any other sleep. It's sleep from being exhausted for a week from having doctors poke and prod at me for two and a half weeks from having a stroke and then being having seizures being tried to be pulled out of me. And now I have a sleeping pill in my system. And I remember laying down and I felt my soul lift up and out of my body. I remember trying to grab on to something. Looked down, and there was my dragon. I have a dragon charm necklace. I grabbed on to it, and I heard this voice saying, It'll be fine, we'll bring you back. the crazy part about the whole thing. I told her I had the most wonderful time when I was sleeping. I went to this wonderful place. She goes, oh yeah? What was it like? I was like, oh, it's magical. I went, and of course I was stuttering through it, so it took a while to get through. But I told her, about the Pink Lake, I said, I walked through this wooded area, and it's like, this, when you get close, the trees just kind of open up, 
And there's this lake, and it's pink. And it's relaxing, it's calming. Like there's no worry, there's no fear, there's no panic, there's nothing there but happiness. And I explained to her that as I sat there, I could sense that there were other beings around me that I couldn't see. I could hear, but I couldn't see. And then I turned, and I could tell that there was the protectors of the forest behind me. The leader of the, the tribe said, Welcome. We're going to help you. We're going to help you understand us. We're going to help you understand you. And we're going to help you get better. And I didn't know what he meant. And it was the weirdest thing because he wasn't talking. He wasn't talking my language. He wasn't talking in my head. He was talking his language and I understood it. And I replied and I explained this to her and said that sounds very weird and fascinating at the same time. I remember that. She said it sounded weird and fascinating at the same time. And the dream, the dream travels to the pink lake have only progressed, they've only gotten longer, more intense. I've learned that the uh, pink lake is something more than just a lake it may be a doorway to other places other dimensions of the world so I don't know like I said I really don't know much about it but it happened when I needed it the most and I'm very grateful for that lake for that, for that place, not the lake, I mean, I'm grateful for the lake, but I'm grateful, more grateful for the fact that I was given the opportunity to see things that most people are completely blind to, um, there are times where I really need to go to the lake, and I can't get there. have to accept that I I know the rules of going there I know that you can't go there angry, you can't go there um, with rage in your heart 
you have to go there with pure intent. crystal that I used to have that used to help me but I've got a new talisman and it seems to work much better um, it seems to have a lot more uh, juice in it so crazy. I don't know if I'm one person said he thinks that I have a brain tumor and that's what's causing these illusions of dream travel and the pink lake could be the uh, tumor or whatever spreading like to put to rest every, everybody's uh, suspicion of that. I do not have a tumor. I've had several brain scans to prove that. Um, I do, however, have a very tired brain, especially right now. I've done this podcast episode for 46 minutes and a Randonautica episode, podcast episode for YouTube for over an hour. So my brain is about shot. I think I'm going to do something else. Um, I hope you guys enjoy these episodes. I really do. I put my all into them. I really reached deep down into my everything and pour it into these episodes. It takes a lot out of me to be able to bear this much of me to anybody especially the world um, once again um, if you guys have any questions comments or concerns or you guys just want to shoot the breeze you guys can reach me at oh what is the email hold on let me look sorry guys I have so many emails that I managed that sometimes it is very hard to keep them some of that stuff reach out to me at heavyhamusa at gmail.com that is heavy h-e-a-v-y ham 
with two M's, H-A-M-M, at USA. Well, sorry, not at you. Wow, I am tired. Alright, once again, that is Heavy Ham. That's H-E-A-V-Y-H-A-M-M. That's two M's. USA at gmail.com. So, you can reach me there if you want to email me any of your stories about dream traveling and you want me to share them. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the show and its direction, feel free to reach out as well. Or if you just want to shoot me an email and say hi, I will email you back. I'm not that stuck up, nor am I that popular. (laughs) I feel the more popular people get, the less they feel they owe it to the people that got them there to uh, say hi and check their emails. But I'm not popular enough to stop saying hi, so... Everybody out there, thank you for tuning in and thank you for keeping this podcast going. It really means a lot to me that everybody here in America and across the pond are giving it a chance. So thank you. And if this is your first time, welcome to Hamville. Our little spot where we like to just shoot the shit and learn a thing or two about every, well about me hopefully one day I'll be able to get some guests on this show but until then this is a one man unscripted podcast and so far it's been going pretty well I love y'all stay frosty, stay lit and as always keep shining